Good morning, Mount Helena Community Church. Good morning, JR. I want to. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say something to you, young people worshiping today. I know you get back yeah. from camp and you're you guys are fired. Awesome. And, <laughs> you guys are awesome. You're a lot of fun, and uh, I want to remind you of a story in the Bible. Uh, King David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. And, and David made mistakes, but he served the Lord all of his life. And there was a story in the Bible where it says, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. I don't know what that looks like. Have you ever danced with all your might? Uh, you know, the Bible allows for exuberant, loud, dancing, shouting, clapping, lifting your hands in worship. Worship is a demonstration before God. It's an honoring of God. It's putting Him in the place of King and honoring Him in that way. And I want to I say to you young people, keep leading us in worship. Keep leading us in worship. You know, God, God is worthy of our praise and we need you. We need, that energy is awesome. And that's how God is meant to be worshiped. I think we sometimes get in this mindset where we're supposed to be really quiet and subdued. And sometimes there's a time and a place for that in worship of God. But the scripture is full of dancing, shouting, singing, trumpets, those kinds of things to honor God. Uh, Our youth just got back from youth camp. Obviously, they're excited and um, very, very... I just keep hearing such good reports of what happened there. I was on the phone with Clem Ferris, who spoke last week here, and then he went on to be the camp speaker. And man, he just had just nonstop thing after thing, testimony of what God was doing in people's lives and how well the whole camp went. So I'm looking forward to hearing the stories. If you have a significant story from camp, I want to hear about it. And so I'm looking forward to hearing that from parents and kids as well. So uh, we had... <clears throat> Uh, what was the number? 100 and, 100, 113 kids went, and there was 20 counselors from Mount Helena, plus counselors from other churches. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 people that were up there at the Regions Beyond Camp, and Mount Helena was a huge part of that. So I want to say thank you to you volunteers who helped make that happen. Thank you, kids, for uh, going there and opening up your hearts to God and letting Him work in your lives. That's huge. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the days ahead of what, what God continues to do. So thank you. Um, really appreciate those of you that served in that capacity. Now let's give those volunteers a hand that went. All 20 of you from Mount Helena. Appreciate that. Good times. Uh, another thing I want to mention to you today, uh, Tyler and Leslie, where are you at? Right here in the front. Tyler, Leslie, would you just stand up momentarily? Sorry to hopefully not embarrass you, but Tyler and Leslie are elders here at Mount Helena Community Church. Um, They're part of our leadership team, and uh, they arrived at Mount Helena in 2002. How many of you were alive in 2002? Okay, one year shy. You were close. Well, uh, Tyler and Leslie, I remember the first time Janie and I had them over to our house for dinner. And I remember them coming and, and joining the church. And from the time they arrived, they served. Uh, they've served in leadership capacity in numerous ways uh, over the years. And um, 
I, I, it's been now, so that's 20 years, 20 years that, that they've been serving. They went to Michigan and served on staff of a, of a LifeLinks church, a friend of ours over there in Michigan. They served on staff there. Tyler and Leslie came back. Tyler served on staff here at Mount Helena for a number of years and uh, has served as an elder. He and I were ordained on the same day in 2011 as elders here. And uh, I just, uh, I, I respect you guys. I really appreciate your years of service. That's a long time. And uh, that's a lot of work and um, uh, just lots of memories. But uh, Tyler and Leslie have asked to just take a short break from eldering and preaching. If you haven't noticed, Tyler hasn't been in the pulpit recently. And I just want to be sure that everybody's aware of what we're doing. They're just going to take some time off to rest this summer and get inspired and fired up for whatever's next. And they're not going anywhere. There's nothing weird going on. They have just uh, decided they want to take a break for a few months and and uh, so I just wanted to let you guys in the loop on that so that there's no rumors or gossip or weirdness or what, where's Tyler? Where are Leslie? They haven't been at church or they, Tyler hasn't preached. It's just because they've requested to take uh, a short break. So uh, Tyler and Leslie, we appreciate you and we hope that you have a great break. Can we pray for them before I continue with my message this morning? God, we lift up Tyler and Leslie to you right now. God, you've seen the years upon years upon years of service. Lord, you were with us in so many different adventures and circumstances and things that have happened over the years. And God, I just pray during this time, Lord, that you would bless them. That you would bless them with vision and inspiration for what you have for them in the future. God, how they can continue to serve your people and serve your vision for the world. God, I pray that you would bless their uh, time. God, that you would be um, just in their midst, blessing them with your presence, blessing them with peace and comfort. God, and blessing them with great times with you and one another. Bless their summer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Really appreciate that. So if you don't see them around here much, that's why. If you run into them at the grocery store or out in the community doing something, be sure you take a moment to appreciate them and thank them. They've worked very hard for many years. This morning I want to ask you a question. What are you asking for? What are you asking God for? Are you asking for anything? Are you going to God with your requests? Are you going to God seeking Him for the things you need in your life? The scripture has a lot to say about the topic of asking. What are you asking? What are you seeking? What are you going to the throne room of heaven and knocking on the doors for? Lord, I need something. I need you in some way in my life. What are you seeking? What are you asking God for? Are you asking at all? Is really maybe more what I'm wanting to ask you today. Are you asking God? Are you coming before Him? Maybe you are looking for a breakthrough in a relationship, a friendship, a marriage, a parent, a child. The relationship is struggling and you need God to step in and give you breakthrough in a relationship. Are you asking God for breakthrough in a relationship in your life? Are you asking for healing in your body? Is there something in your body that's not working right anymore? Maybe it's as significant as cancer or as minor as an aching joint. Are you asking God? Are you bringing that before the Lord? 
What about with your your mind? Maybe you're plagued by anxiety and plagued by depression and your mind doesn't stop and it grinds and grinds and grinds. I know that feeling. Are you bringing that before the Lord? Are you asking for healing for your soul? Maybe you've been wounded in your heart. Maybe people have hurt you. Maybe you've made choices that hurt yourself and you're wounded. You have scars. We all have scars on our heart. Are we bringing those before the Lord and saying, God, please heal this part of my life. God, please touch this part of my life. I want you to be thinking about something that you are asking God for. What are you asking God for? Maybe you're like, man, I'm doing good. I don't have a lot of significant things to be asking for. I uh, was going to pray for a guy uh, this last week, and he said, don't pray for me. Pray. The other people need prayer worse than I do. And sometimes we have that feeling, right? We think, uh, my, my needs aren't that significant. But the Bible instructs us to bring our requests before the Lord. Whether, no matter how small or how great they are, nothing is beyond Him and nothing is below Him. He cares about your every need. Maybe you just want to get to know God better. And you're asking God, God, help me get to know you better. Help me know your ways. Help me understand how to apply your ways to my life. How do I make those things a reality in the way that I live? Or maybe you're not asking for anything at all because you're too ashamed to go before the Lord. Because you're too embarrassed to ask. Or every time it crosses your mind, your conscience kicks in and goes, ah, but I've been so rotten lately. God's not going to hear my prayer. I'm not good enough. I'm not behaved well enough. I still have things in my life that are messed up and I'm embarrassed to go to God and ask. Because if I were going to an earthly person and saying, hey, help me in this situation, they'd look at me and be like, you don't deserve it. But what does the word of God teach us about asking him? And I want to dive into that today. Beginning in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Keep in mind, what are you asking God for? Pick something. Think about it. Let it run through your mind and heart today as we look at these scriptures of how God instructs us. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks they find, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? To those who ask Him. This is Jesus speaking. And He's calling us to action in our relationship with God. Sometimes we need to remember and remind ourselves that our relationship with God takes work. It takes action. It means that you and I have to take tangible steps in our lives. And one of them being uh, asking or, else, or seeking or knocking. These, these ideas of coming before the Lord and, and looking. Have you ever sought something intensely? You ever lose something valuable to you and you're looking everywhere for it in urgency and desire wanting to find it in a panic almost because you, you don't know where it is? Or something that you would go to somebody's house and knock on their door. Like, I really need a cup of sugar to finish these cookies. 
We, we knock, we go, and, and, and it's, it's a bold act to go right up to somebody's house and knock on the door to ask for something. It's hard to do. But that's, what, that's how Jesus describes us coming before God with our requests. And then he pe- appeals to the, our human nature, our parenting. The Bible does this all the time, drawing attention to the relationship between a parent and a child and then comparing us to God. Well, that gives us some really good imagery of who our God really is. He's a good father. And we can knock on his door. We can ask. We can seek. And he gives good gifts to those who seek. Those who ask. Those who knock. When I think of that word seeking, I'm like, I'm looking intently. Not just a quick little, oh, God, help me with that, thanks. No, desperate, searching, looking intently and intensely. Going right to the throne room of heaven and knocking on the door. Bang, bang, I need something, Lord. You are my good father. You give good things to those who ask. To those who will go before him. We can trust him for what we need. And, and I just love how, it, how Jesus appeals to that father's heart here. If you know how to give your kid a good gift, how much more, God? Way more. He's way beyond any earthly father. He's way beyond any earthly parent. He sees things from a much bigger perspective and he looks at them, looks down at us in love. Now he doesn't just give us whatever we ask, like if we're asking, hey, I want a Chevy convertible, please. Could I get that right away? Right? We're going to look more at things like that. He knows what you need. Just like when your kid goes, hey, can I have that king size chocolate bar for supper? Like, well, no, we're not going to do that. But God loves us, and he gives us what we need if we're bringing ourselves before him and asking. So on what basis do we even have the right to approach the creator of the universe, the all-powerful God who will judge the living and the dead, who by his very word creates And by his very word, he could wipe out all created things just by speaking. How do you and I, little, frail, broken, flawed you and I, go before the omnipotent, omniscient God of the universe? We worship this morning because Jesus did that for you and I. That you and I can run to him like a loving father. Not an angry tyrant of the universe, though he could be. A loving father for you and I. Jesus was teaching in John chapter 16, verses 23 through 27. So also you have sorrow now. He's talking to his disciples and he's basically explaining that he's going to die. He's going away. And he says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. What? Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until, I, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. 
And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. There's a lot of content in that passage we just read. But I want to draw attention to a couple of things. Jesus is saying the day is coming where you're not going to come to me and have me go to the Father. You're going to go to the Father because of what he did. You can go directly to God, the Father, with your requests. Jesus bridged the gap. Now we, 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 we would say that, that he, he died in our place. His blood was shed for us. When our blood should have been shed for our sins... The penalty of sin is death, and we deserved that, but he went ahead and took that for us. And do we realize the depth of the impact of that sacrifice and what it has afforded you and I? It's afforded you and I that opportunity to go to God and ask in the name of Jesus for, for the things that God is leading us towards. And he, and he will hear us himself. So what does it mean? What right do we have to ask? You know, we, we use the phrase in the name of Jesus. What does that mean when we do that? I want to talk about that a little bit. You know, we put it at the end of our prayers and things like that when we pray. We say at the end of our prayer, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. What does that mean? You know, if, if, I, if I send my son to your house to pick up something from you that we've agreed about, and he knocks on the door and he, he, I say, I'm going to send Johnny over to your house and he's going to pick up that weed eater I'm going to borrow from you. That's a terrible example. <laughs> but we're going to roll with it. And, and Johnny knocks on the door and he's, I'm here for my dad to get that weed eater. I've come in the name of my dad. It's as if you're giving it to my dad when you give it to me. And when we come before our father, we say, I'm coming in the name of Jesus, your son. He sent me here. He made a way for me to come here. He authorized me to be here making this request of you. So while I'm insufficient in and of myself to stand before you as a great king, I'm just a lowly person, but I'm coming in the name of your son. That's an authorization. It's a powerful statement. I think every time we use that phrase, in the name of Jesus, we need to remember what kind of authority. There ought to be a sobering reality every time we say those words. You're coming in the name of Jesus because he was tortured to death on your behalf. That was a significant price that Jesus paid. It's no joke. And so sometimes when, uh, when we're praying like a dear, dear Lord, thank you, for, thank you for the food in Jesus' name, amen. It's just not, they're not magic words. It's a declaration of something he did on your behalf and you are going in his name. You've been adopted into his family. You're wearing his coat, so to speak. You've put on Christ. So you look like Christ. And when God sees you, he sees Christ. Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. So when you have something that you desire or need or feel like God wants to do in your life, you can go to him with full faith and assurance that you are authorized to make such a request. This is so important to understand. Because we, we want to go to God in faith. Believing with full assurance. And what does the word of God do? It builds our faith. 
So when I read these passages, and, and we're looking at the fact that we are authorized, adopted, all these kinds of things, we, have, we, we can have full faith that we can go to the Father and make the request we need. What are you asking God for? Are you asking God for anything? Do you realize the foundation and authority you have to go to the Father and ask? You do. You do. You have every right to do so. Not in and of yourself, but because he did it for you. That's a powerful thing. So I wonder about our prayer lives. I joked a bit about grace, you know. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Amen. In your name, amen. I want to, even when I'm, even when I'm praying for food, I have to go deeper inside myself and go, I am truly thankful for this food. I know that I'm not really my own provider. I truly want the blessing of God on this food and his provision. And I'm acknowledging that. And in the name of your son, of whom we're so grateful for what he's done for us, we pray, amen. I think there's, there's a sobriety about the name of Jesus and that opportunity that you and I have to go before the Lord. Romans chapter, oh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, let me explain this before I go on a little bit. In the Jewish way of life, under the Old Testament, in the law, a high priest represented all the people before God. He was the representative of them. And when, when he made the sacrifice once a year for the sins of the people, he did it on behalf of the entire nation. Jesus became our high priest. He became the sacrifice on behalf of all of his people for all time. One time for all time. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is describing here. We now have a high priest who represents us before God, who shed his blood so that you and I can have that access. And then he goes on to say, let us then with, what's that word? Let's go one more slide. Let us then with confidence. Wait a minute, you're telling me that I can go before the master of all things, confidently, unashamedly, not embarrassed. I can lay aside all of those insecurities I have, all of the weaknesses I have, and I can go before him. You can approach God confidently. That's not just for me or just for the person next to you. That's for you. You can approach God confidently draw near to the throne of grace. This tells us something about the throne of God. There's grace there that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we often have this mentality that we need to find grace and mercy and get all forgiven and stuff and then run to God. But here's the thing. It is the throne of grace and mercy. You have to go there to get it. And you can go there confidently. You can ask You can knock on that throne door of heaven and he opens the doors and you can go right up to the throne of God, that throne of grace and mercy, and ask your loving heavenly father, God, I am in need. I need help. I need breakthrough in my marriage. I need breakthrough in my relationships. I need provision. I lost my job. I I have financial issues. Please provide. 
Lord, I need healing in my body. Lord, I need help with my soul. Lord, I need help with this forgiveness. I'm having a hard time forgiving somebody for the way they've hurt me. I know that I'm supposed to forgive, but I'm lacking the ability to do so. God, help me. You can ask him those things confidently. See, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We learn in Romans. And so when we're looking at these words, let these go in like seeds in your heart and establish a confidence in you about who God is to you. That loving, good Father whose throne you can run to. Sometimes we lack perspective on a kingdom and a king because we don't live that way today. But it's a significant reality. He stands in the gap for us. Therefore, we can be confident. It's almost like when you're coming up to the throne of the Father, Jesus is standing right there saying, this is one of mine. Hear his plea. Hear her cry. That's what Jesus does for you and I. What are you asking, God? Are you asking? Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, back meaning meaning back in time into that legalistic way of approaching God. It's not a spirit of slavery, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. We've received adoption. We're sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean? Abba, Father. Abba is the... uh, Aramaic word for father, and it's a, it's a term of endearment. It's a, it's a word that they use to convey this idea of uh, intimacy, close relationship. It communicated affection and confidence and trust. It'd be like saying daddy. You've probably heard that before if you've been around very long. When it says Abba, father, to have said that in that language at that time would be almost like saying daddy whom I trust and have confidence in who I know intimately. It's a, real, it's a very relational word. So we've been adopted as sons and daughters, and we can approach God that way. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, which we are, here, here are the results of being children of God, then we are heirs. We have an inheritance There's a heritage and an inheritance of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You're going to put me in the same heritage as Christ? Really? That perfect spotless lamb who gave up his life 2,000 years ago? You're going to put me in the same inheritance as him? Yeah. That's why we worship. (laughs) That's why we dance and celebrate. You know, when, when David danced before the Lord with all of his might, I don't know what it looked like, but you know what it did? It embarrassed his wife. That's how crazy David's dancing was before the Lord. But David understood that God was to be worshipped with that kind of exuberance. That there was something so powerful and so significant about who God was, and it, it, it's along these lines. Ah, the, the Lord of the universe has made me his son. That's worthy of my honor and worship and praise for the rest of eternity. That's awesome. Do you realize this is you? You who have put Christ on the throne of your heart. This is you. It's for you. 
Do you, it's a great question. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you really are? You are a child of a king. And not just any king. And he will hear your requests. We've got to get this into our hearts. Because it will build our faith. And it will drive us right to the feet of God. Every challenge that comes our way. Every moment in our lives. If we really understand this. It will drive us right to him. With everything that we need. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Again, that what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and when we use his name in the name of Jesus, because I'm in that family, I'm authorized by him. That's a sobering, powerful statement. So how do you relate to God? Are you relating to God these days like a loving father? All-powerful father? One who wants to talk to you? Maybe, Maybe your earthly dad don't want to talk to you. Maybe he's not here to talk to you anymore. Maybe you just don't know. God, your father, wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your requests. He wants to hear your prayers. He wants to relate to his children. And he prompts us to take action. That's why it says, ask, seek, knock. Of course, that begins with salvation. It begins with seeking, seeking forgiveness and eternal life through Christ. But also all the good things God gives. God has made us to relate to him. Those are relational words. Our, our human nature tends to dismiss our ability to relate to God. Some people don't even like it when you say relationship with God. Because it's too touchy-feely and human-y. human is now a word. I just made it up. Man, I can't get through a sermon without making up a word. Here we go. And, and we just kind of go, that's eh, too low. It's too insignificant. It's, it's just too us and not God, you know? But God did that for you. These are relational words. They're relational terms. They're intimate. Daddy? This is daddy in the Bible? God talks about himself that way? Come on. You're being a little cheeky, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Why are our families the way they are? How can we relate to our kids on so many different levels and and care so much and love them so deeply and all those kinds of things? Because we have an example who put that in us only to a much greater degree. If you think you love your kids, you don't love your kids as much as God loves you. That's hard to imagine for some of us. Really? I don't even know how that could be. That's how much he loves you. That's the terminology he chooses to use to talk to you about this. How's your relationship with God? Can you approach him? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Do you know that you can? If you do, then are you? Do it. Ask him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Promise from Hebrews again. He rewards those who seek him. Seek him. 
Look for him. Don't treat your Christianity and going to church as just some event in your week. This is your life. Every day, seeking God. God, what do you have for me today? God, fill me with your spirit today. God, help me recognize my opportunities today. Seek him. And do so in faith. So you're hearing everything I'm saying to you today. Let it build your faith to run to God quickly. Don't waste any time. Very quickly. Whenever something comes up, you're like, I'm in need. Run to the throne. I'm lacking. Run to the Father. I feel guilty. Run to, the, run to him who forgives. I need healing. Run to the healer. Now. Quickly. Confidently. And let your faith be built by these words. And this is the confidence we have towards him. First John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have towards him. There it is again. We can be confident. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. We start to get into these questions about will of God and will of man and what can I change God's mind and those kind of deep things are hard to understand. But when you're in relationship with God and you, and you know we believe in hearing from God. And sometimes we don't know what we need and we don't know what we want or we don't even know what to ask for. I mean, you know, we can make a simple joke like say, yeah, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, right? Come on. That was funny. You want me to sing it? Oh Lord, won't you buy me? No. But we do, okay, that's a really silly way of doing it. You know, and we we wonder what the will of God is, but we have the word of God to tell us about his will. You know, Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus requested to have the cup pass, to not suffer and die. And then he said these words, Nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was fully submitted and he understood what the will of God was because he had relationship with God. So sometimes you'll start praying about something and the Holy Spirit starts going, no, you're off track. Let's adjust what you're asking for. Let's push for something. Here's how I want you to pray in this situation. Here's what I want you to seek. Here's the passage of scripture. Here's the person I want you to go talk to. All those kinds of things. God starts leading us. It's a relational dynamic that goes on. Half of your prayer life should be listening. Listening for God. Listening for the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Leading you. Spending time in the word of God. To get a grasp of his will and his perspective. And then listening to the Holy Spirit and how he's directing you in those moments. We have confidence that God hears us. James chapter 4 gives us some instruction on this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Okay, so James is, James is saying, okay, you, you, you fight and you kill and you quarrel and, and you're just, you know, and you don't have what you want. Well, you don't have because you don't ask. So let's start with that. Are you asking? I think we so often can just dismiss it. Well, I asked once six months ago. Now that idea of ask and seek and knock, it's ask and keep on asking. It's seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That's literally what it says. It's a consistent thing. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly with selfish motivations to spend it on your passions. That's why I want the Mercedes Benz, right? And we have some of that. 
oh Lord, please, you know. God does not intend for your selfish desires to be fulfilled through prayer. But we do have godly desires, don't we? We have good things. And you can pray for things that you need. But here, what does James say? You're not going to get what you want when you have a selfish motivation. See, God goes after the heart. It's not just your words. God cares about the condition of your heart. If your heart is selfish, God is not going to hear the prayer. So when we go before God, we have to examine ourselves. Why am I asking for this? Because I'm materialistic and want something material? Because I'm, I'm selfish and want to look important or powerful and that's why I want something like that? God goes after the heart. We don't receive when we ask with wrong intention. Now, some of you, if you're like me, that can shut you down from praying. Because you're like, am I being selfish or not? I'm not really sure. Then go to God. It's okay to ask. Let him work with you on these things. Maybe you don't know if you're being selfish or not. My, my suggestion to you would be default towards God, not away. Right? Default towards God, not away. Bring those things before him. He'll help you sort those out. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. You will, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. You know, we, we talk about, I, I use the terminology quite a bit about God being on the throne of your heart. That he's the king of everything in there, inside of you. But we reserve these places away from God. God, you can have every part of me, but mm, this and this. I'm going to kind of hang on to those. I like those things that I do that I'm not supposed to do. Or whatever it is. I like to hang on to that unforgiveness and bitterness. Or I want to hold that grudge. Or whatever the issue is. God wants all of you. Complete surrender. He wants access to every area of your life. You will find me when your whole heart is in it. We go, well, I I go to church once in a while, but it doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't sound like seeking with all your heart to me. Maybe some of you in this room are wondering with all of who you are, who is God? How do I relate to him? How do I draw closer to him? Seek him and you will find him. You will. He says you will. Ask, seek, knock. Seek me with all of your heart. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Again, action words, relation words. Do something. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, so God really wants us to draw near, but he's also wanting us to take action. To be cleansed. To ask for forgiveness for our sins. To leave our old lives behind. To not be double-minded. We, we, we want to be able to go before him completely, not just partially. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Matthew 6.33. Again, here, it's a priority word. We're hearing words of priority. Prioritize God in your life. Prioritize that relationship. Prioritize the kingdom of God. Everything else is going to fall into line from there. See, we kind of... We, 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 Sometimes we'll go months and months and say nothing to God until suddenly things are very bad. And then all of a sudden we want to talk to God. He said, come on, all of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make it a priority. You know, there's a scene in an old Burt Reynolds movie where he's out in the water drowning. How many of you remember this? A few of you do. 
And he's out in the water drowning. He's making deals with God if he'll save his life and let him not drown. Right? While he's trying to make his way back to shore. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I promise I'll obey all the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Just help me swim. You know, he's saying all these things to God. And we do that. And to some degree it makes sense. But God is digging for more than that. He wants first the kingdom of God. Make it a priority every day in your lives. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. What? Delight? What an interesting word. Delight myself in the Lord? Can I do that? I'm going to move quickly through these last four verses and then we'll wrap up. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. You know, I saw a video of the kids at camp, and you know what they're doing in front of the whole camp during worship? Dancing, bouncing, exulting. That's in the Bible. That's worship. God does that over, it says, he does that over you. He sings over you. He delights in you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. What? That's my heavenly father? That can be hard to imagine, but if we can get this stuff in our heart, you guys, it will build our faith. God rejoices over you. How much more then can you rejoice over him? Worship should be exuberant rejoicing, exulting, delighting in God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, in everything, by prayer and supplication, everything by prayer, everything by prayer, you can approach God. Make your requests known to him, everything. That's who he wants to be for you. Would you stand please? Again, I will ask you the question as we wrap up. What are you asking God for? Are you asking? Are you asking? Would you pray with me? And just bring that one thing before the Lord right now. Whatever you're asking, whether it's healing, whether it's restoration of relationships, whatever it is, that you have been asking God about it, continue to ask, bring it before him now. Lord, you see every request of every heart right now in this room. You see it. You know it. You know the backstory. You know the future. You know the heart of every individual. Lord, none of us is worthy. None of us could earn it. None of us have ever been good enough. That's not the issue. We're coming in your name. The name of your son. As ones who have been adopted and ransomed with an authorization to come before you this morning and ask, Lord, please touch this part of my life. Lord, please bring breakthrough in this part of my life. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully on each person's behalf. God, honoring their requests, speaking to them, Lord, about how you want to steer that situation. Whatever circumstance that's being brought up before you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be steering each person's heart. And that, God, you would be bringing healing into your children's lives. You are a good Father. And we are so glad that you delight over us 
though we in no way could deserve it. We're so blessed by it. God, I pray for those that don't really know you. Those that are struggling with who you are. Struggling with the idea that you even care. Lord, I pray right now that those people feeling that would sense in their spirit your comfort and your peace right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus that we can speak and come before you. God, I pray you bless each one and honor these requests. God, remind us all throughout this week, every day, to bring those requests before you. To put your kingdom first and to seek you in Jesus' name. Amen.